Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today in the hot seat is a special guest, and he is definitely going to give us a lot of wisdom. His name is Evan Zivanakis, and I hope I said that correctly, but he will correct me later on. So uh, he coaches executives throughout his career. He has managed more than 500 employees across eight countries and led companies to expand across the Asia Pacific region by successfully crafting the right company culture and leading people from the front. With that experience, now as an executive coach, he helps executive leaders and organizations build inspiring leadership from the inside out. He does that by offering the most educational, transformational, and impactful coaching and training solutions. And today, Evan and I are going to focus on the five mistakes even smart C-suites make when managing hybrid teams, which can cost them stress and too much micromanagement. So what do they do instead? You're going to find out. But let's welcome the man behind it all, Evan Zivanakis. Nice to see you. How are you? And um, lovely to be here. The pleasure is mine. And thank you, Evan, for just coming into the community to share and hold space with us, as well as share your knowledge. So before we jump into our topic, which is the meat and potatoes of the conversation, I want to give you a chance to connect with the audience in a fun and personal way. And if you've done your due diligence, you should know what's next. So there are two options, Evan. We could do a icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Let's do an icebreaker. I don't know. Let's do an icebreaker. <laughs> Let's see. Let's go. Okie dokie. We're breaking the ice with Evan. So here we go, Evan. I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Okay. A fun and interesting part about myself, I think it could be the fact that I have worked and lived in eight different countries. If you consider that, well, for me, it was a lot of fun, you know, (laughs) so... Um, a lot of fun for me because it gave me really the opportunity to learn from different cultures, meet different people, um, learn different languages, and I think one of the best things, taste different food. You know, I lived in England, UK, Cyprus, Greece, Indonesia, Malaysia, Australia, Philippines, and Vietnam. So fantastic. I'm blessed. You know, it's... it's uh, it was interesting for me, and I think is uh, you know interesting for you as well. So um, yeah, that is very interesting. I love to travel, and I'm first generation American. So my mom is West Indian. She's from Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, ah, and my 
my dad was from Curaçao, so right off the tip of Venezuela. Excellent. Beautiful places. Yes. yes. So just a follow-up question, because you got me interested now. Uh, so Evan, what is your background? What's your origin? Okay. Yeah, well, I was born in Greece. When I finished high school, I went to study in Switzerland. I lived in Switzerland for three years, two years study and one year work. After I finished my work in Switzerland, I wanted something a bit more exciting. Switzerland is beautiful, but it's a little bit quiet, you know, a little bit boring when you are 23 years old. So I went to the UK. I did my MBA. Once I graduated from the UK and I, you know, I developed my network with MBA, then I opened my own company at the, at the age of 25. Um, when That was a sales agency, and I had contracts with different companies, energy companies, credit card companies, master, Visa, MasterCard, AXA Healthcare. I was doing the sales and marketing for them. With the team, I had recruited um, salespeople, and we were running different campaigns for them. After doing that for five years, I sold the company. I had a big company who came in and acquired the company. And then I was headhunted to work for a financial broker because they saw my experience and said, you know, they approached me. They said, Evan, we want somebody like you who manages people and open companies to help us develop and open operations and manage the operations and open you know, office in different countries. So I had um, initiated the strategic expansion of that, um, of that broker and specifically in Southeast Asia by opening offices in Southeast Asia, all the way, you know, from South Asia, India, to all the way to Australia, Indonesia, Philippines, Singapore, and so on and so forth. And I did this for around six, seven years. And since 2017, 2018, I decided that, you know, I do have my experience now. Um, I want, you know, to give, you know, to the world. I want to teach and coach and train managers and leaders and C-suites how to manage better. Because, you know, we spend eight, nine, ten hours at work. And that, that, that thing, it affects our life. So I do believe in good leadership. I do believe in good management. And this is what I do for now for the last four or five years. I'm an executive coach. I work with leaders and companies to help them develop and tackle different leadership challenges. And the latest, I guess, the most popular leadership challenge and, uh, and request that I have for the last couple of years is how do I manage people remotely? How do I manage people in a hybrid work setting? How do I stop my people from quitting? Yeah, let's so, pause there because that is a very valid point because with the global pandemic, everything has changed and it didn't just change for uh, corporations. It also changed personally for employees who realized that they're worth so much more and they started to see themselves as an asset versus a liability and their mindset changed, especially when they got the luxury to work from home. So they were able to balance some of the things that they like to do, as well as their family dynamics and et cetera. And we found like sometimes whenever the C-suites, they just saw it from one perspective and they saw it from the profits perspective, but they didn't see it from the people-centric perspective. So whenever they were telling people to return back to work, they were met with like ridges and um, 
it was like butting heads because those employees were already productive working from home and they can balance, especially if their kids were still doing online school and et cetera. And they're like, what am I going to do with my kids? Because we know some of the daycares weren't open or maybe their partner had lost their job depending on what industry they were in. So it didn't make sense for them to go back to work. And I think that's where your training comes into um, play because they made a lot of mistakes because it was something that no one foresaw. We got inklings that, okay, something is coming up, but they're like, oh yeah, 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 that's a phase, but no one imagined it to be this huge pandemic that we're still in, even though people think that it's over, COVID has not left us. There's still new variants and et cetera coming up, numbers are going back up and et cetera. So when you think about what you're doing now and you talk about the five mistakes, even smart C-suites um, make, what are some of those uh, mistakes that you've seen with them managing hybrid team because it's totally new to them? Yeah, well, look, I, I, first of all, I don't think that we are returning to the world of work we knew before the pandemic. We're not going back. And I get a bit, not frustrated, but when we hear people say, when we're going back to normal, the new normal is a new normal, right? <laughs> so, you know, because why? Because the workplace, the nature of work, work sentiment, expectations for leaders as well as organizations, are all in the process of changing. So we are not going back to the world of work when you the, when you, before the pandemic. So throughout my coaching, one of the mistakes that I see even smart managers make, it's, it sounds funny, it might sound weird or sunny, funny to you, but the mistake number one is that they don't trust their own employees. You know, so, you know, the one question that went through managers' mind with the first lockdown when people went to work from home is like, are they really working when they're working from home? This is a question that went through CEOs, business owners, managers, C-suite's minds. Is my staff, are they working when they're working from home or are they watching Netflix? So, <laughs> you know. I'm laughing uh, here, Evan, because... I can validate with that because my background's oil and gas and energy. So I spent 12 years working in oil and gas and I was working for a fortune 500 com company um, during the pandemic up until I got laid off whenever we all know what happened with oil and gas prices and hitting the, um, the market and et cetera. So whenever we went to work from home, they were saying that whenever you take meetings, you need to have your camera on. Yes. Because sometimes people were not having their camera on. Yes. And I felt like that was a lack of trust there because sometimes if you're at home, people don't want to show their personal settings, especially if they don't have a home office or et cetera. And so they were conditioning people to put on their cameras because that was a way for them to do a due diligence so they can meet eye contact, see, okay, are they yes. working? Are they still remaining a level of professionalism like how are they dressed are you just lounging around in pjs and your hair is crazy or whatnot and i feel like some people who were not comfortable being on camera that really like made them say why are they telling me to put my camera on 
Is it yeah. because they don't trust me? Or there would be certain things where, um, I'm, I don't know if you've seen this in like some of the organizations that you worked with, there's a way where they could track how long you've been on the computer. Like, for example, we use Zoom and it tells I can you- tell you about that. I can tell you about, please finish your sentence and I'll tell you what I believe because it looks like you read my notes, but you haven't. So I'll tell you what I think about that. Yeah. So you could track like how long someone has been on the computer. And then if you're away, it'll say away for 15 minutes, away for this. And um, some people, they found like a workaround where you just kind of move the mouse or something. But yes. there's so many different mechanisms that they were using behind the scenes that employees start started to feel like, okay, my employer does not trust me. My employer doesn't think that I'm working on. And I'm, yes. I see it from both ends of the uh, spectrum because I've been a individual contributor and I've been a manager in my past. Yes. And I feel like in order to lead effectively, you need to really have that trust factor and let your employees know that you're there to support them. And the minute that employee feels like you're not there to support them and trust them, it starts to diminish the relationship because you don't have the synergies there. So what 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 I would say whenever I was a manager before I went to this Fortune 500 company, I said, I don't care. Um what time of day you come in as long as you get your work done and it is done effectively and it's meeting the metrics. So if you want to like, you know, carve out where you want to work this amount of time, then go to lunch, take, uh, go to the gym or whatnot and come back and finish your work. As long as you have core hours that are being put in, your work speaks for itself and et cetera, I am fine with that. But if you don't have that approach, then you're definitely not connecting with your employees. So that's what I wanted to say about that because I've seen it in my last role as an individual contributor, but I've also seen it from a manager's perspective. Yeah, look, good man. Look, first of all, let me talk about from employee point of view. Anyway, if you look, if, regardless if you're an employee or an employer, I actually believe, and I think it's professional, if you have a Zoom meeting or a Google Meet, whatever is required to put camera on, you should actually put your camera on, by the way, because it doesn't like it doesn't really matter. But you know, if you were in an office, you will actually physically go there, right? So I don't think that it should be a problem from your point of view, either as a manager and your employee. If you have a meeting and you work from home, turn your camera on. I actually think it is professional to do so, and it doesn't matter if you work from your bedroom, if you work from the kitchen. If you are from the living room, you can nowadays change the background in almost any app. You know, you just put something like really corporate, but I recommend to turn your camera on. I think it's professional. Now, number two, from a managerial point of view, I do believe that good managers trust employees to get the job done regardless of where they are. So, but it's not so easy because. Number one, if you hired good people and then build good management structures to give them direction for what needs to be done and accomplished, then you need to trust that they will live up to those standards. Because if you are an employee, if you are a hybrid worker or remote or even in the office, if you feel that your manager doesn't trust you, this can put a strain on the working relationships. So, you know, before the pandemic, trust, Genesis, was a big issue when it came to flexible 
working acceptance. So despite the evidence of the last 18 months to two years, it appears that many managers still do not trust that people will work without supervision. That's why you need to look at what kind of people do you hire? Do you have the right structures in place to train them, to support them? Do you have the right performance appraisals? Do you have the right targets and the right remuneration so they can be self-motivated to get the job done? Because if you're an employee, you always think, okay, you're asking me to do this. Yes, I have my salary, but what else is it in for me? Do I have a bonus? Do I have a career progression? You know, so that's the mistake number one that I see managers do. They don't trust. It's funny. How can you, it's like you don't trust your own relationship. It's like you don't trust your own husband. You don't trust your own wife. Then why are you married? Why are you in a relationship? You might as well for your own peace of mind just be single. So, you know, number two, another, another mistake that I see that managers do is um, they don't have online, what I call it, online water cooler conversations. What is a water cooler conversation? You know, when you're in office or in a work environment, you know, sometimes you stop by the water cooler, you have a chit chat with your colleague, you know, you grab a coffee or some water, right? It's a casual conversation at the water cooler, you know, when passing in the hallway, right? It's very typical for office workers, but in a hybrid work setting, you know, employees, I think you should also schedule as a manager or an online meeting to see each other face to face. Okay. And if you don't, I think that personal relationships can suffer as a result, okay? Because the team needs to feel connected in a casual way. Absolutely. And I'll add a, a thing in that we did there. So instead of having like a water cooler chat or a virtual coffee and tea catch up, uh, we did happy hours, like virtual happy hours sometimes. Yes. And we would- yeah we would tell them to bring your drink of choice and let's just kind of have like a off the record uh, check-in to see how everyone is feeling. Um, and you talk about different things, like how how has it been for you to adjust with your kids being home and you being home without no break and without a place to send your kids and just different stuff. And it kind of just lets down the, the barriers, but it also boosts morale. So I just wanted to interject that there, Evan. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you are a manager and you are watching this or a C-suite, you know, what you should do, I think, you know, my suggestion was what the manager should do during this online casual charge is just really listen, you know, and connect. You can connect casually in kind of commonalities. For example, if you know one of your employees maybe bikes to work and you are a fitness junkie or you like fitness, maybe you can strike strike up a conversation or maybe if you are friends, if let's say I'm your manager and I'm connected with you on Instagram or your Facebook, if we are kind of connected on social media, and maybe I can see that last week it was your daughter's birthday. So I can just say, hey, happy birthday for your daughter. Let's give Genesis a round of applause. Let me send you something, you know. You, know, you should really listen and kind of, you know, I mean, be you. Be human. Human to human. Not just, not all your Zoom calls should be about work-related matters. And the online cooler conversations, you don't have to do it every day, maybe bi-weekly, every Friday or something. 
Absolutely. And another thing that you could do with Zoom or um, Google Meets, depending on what platform you're using at um, work, there is a component where you could play a virtual game. Like I've seen other teams do Family Feud and different stuff, and you divide up into teams and you um, bring that camaraderie there. And it's a good way to connect and et cetera. And then now um, Zoom, because we're using Zoom platform right now, there is a whiteboard feature. So some people yes. even got creative and started doing Pictionary and like kind of guess what I'm drawing. And I think that's a really fun and silly way to connect. So always think about how can you connect with the person outside the box? And one thing that I really love was when my team had sent me cookies after my dad had passed in the middle of the pandemic. Like I looked outside my door, they're like, hey, check your door. We sent you something. And it was Tiff's treats. And I was like, oh, some warm baked cookies from this place that is amazing. And sometimes food, y'all, if you're a foodie, like that could boost your day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, look, as humans, I believe that we all have And I actually have developed through my research and through my work, I have developed myself a four, I call it a four motive module, if I can share a little bit with you. Um, You know, as humans, we all have the need to feel secure, connected, stimulated, and challenged. And in a work context environment, if those needs are met, if we feel secure, if we feel safe, if we feel connected, stimulated, and challenged, we are more engaged, therefore more productive. So security, a feeling of well-being. So, for example, am I safe, physically safe, mentally safe? Like you are asking me to come back to the office, but COVID is spreading. I don't feel safe. So, and another, you know, what kind of safety? Like, do I have the means to provide for myself and my dependents? You know, do I have a roof over my head? Do I feel financially secure? And this is one of the most basic needs, the need to feel secure, both personal safety, but also financial and psychological safety. So if you are running a company or a department, you don't have to run a big business. Let's say you have a coffee shop and you are running, you have a team of three. Are your people feeling secure working with you and for you? Another one is connected. A feeling of, you know, what is connection nowadays? It's a feeling of being involved in a team or in a social network. And I don't mean online social network. I mean, am I feeling connected to my work, like to my colleagues? And even the people that like to work completely alone, you know, even those people, they like to have a feeling of worth within their work or within their social community. Because people, I think that we need to feel connected to other people, to friends, to family. So are your people feeling connected? Or are they feeling or isolated the other component there are other four motive the third one is stimulated and i'm talking about senses sensory stimulation and if i was to ask you genesis you know you're in a train you're in a nice train and if i was to put you in a train and i ask you do you want a, a seat with a window view or without which one will you choose window view because i want to see the scenery eight out of ten nine out of ten they will they will exactly choose a window view seat we like to listen to music. We like to taste new and, you know, enticing flavors. So without us understanding that, you know, human psychologists, we need our brains to be stimulated to see value in our work. So are your people 
seeing value in what they do. How do you build those people? How do you praise them? How do you train them? And the last one is feeling challenged. We all seek some degree of challenge. And without challenge, we will stagnate. We will feel bored. So, but this is a, you know, sweet spot here, balance. You know, in the workplace, when you talk about work, the degree of challenge may be impacted by our perceived payoff. For example, you are asking me to do this. You are asking me to accomplish this. You are asking me to increase sales by 25%. What am I going to get? What is my payoff? Because if you're asking me to reach for the moon, but then you're just giving me, I don't know, something small as a return, I'm not challenged, I'm not excited, I'm not motivated. That's why you see the great resignation. Because a lot of people said, screw that shit, I'm out of here. Which, by the way, it is not the great resignation. It is the great reevaluation of our values. Which leads to a great resignation. So as, hum as humans, we are at our most fulfilled stage when we are learning and growing and being challenged and meeting the challenge, giving us intense satisfaction. This is why I like what is happening, because it's pushing all those managers to retrain themselves. Absolutely. And I liked how you said this is the great reevaluation where personally people are taking ownership and reevaluating their morals, their values, and what's important to them so they could see themselves as an asset versus a liability. Because the same way you take time to build up someone else's empire and legacy, you could do that for yourself and perhaps start your own business where you don't have to worry about office politics and the nonsense and the BS and et cetera. And you have the luxury to really determine your own level of wealth because you don't have to worry about your wealth being capped off with glass ceilings and et cetera. So thank you for bringing up that point, Evan. And then I want you to jump back into, because I think there's two more mistakes that you were going to talk about before we jump into the call to action. Yes. Look, another mistake that I see is the micromanaging, you know, uh, uh, you know micromanaging online. That, that, that's even worse. If you try to micromanage online and you talk about all those stupid apps that, you, that some employers ask you to install at your work laptop when you're working from home to monitor which websites you browse. I mean, you know, look, from my experience as an executive coach, as well as a practitioner, when I was a C-suite, I'll tell you something. Top performers, top employees, rarely stay with the boss who micromanages them. So, you know, it, and, you know if you micromanage, it's even worse. If you try to micromanage remotely, as you said, the, the toxic, you know, this will create a toxic environment that will make people feel as if the manager don't believe that, is, that their work is done unless they are closely supervised. So are you micromanaging your people? Because I personally, you know, I have watched and coached entrepreneurs and CEOs suck the life out of their most talented employees because they were constantly micromanaged. So what do you do instead? Okay. A better approach is this. 
hire good people, train them, set clear objectives, goals, and deadlines for employees, and then step back, create the space for them to accomplish them. So you need to become like a, uh, a hippopotamus manager. Can you picture a hippopotamus that is sitting in between the water, half his face is in the water, half his face is out of the water, really calm, he doesn't move. This is how you need to be. He, need, he moves, he observes, he watches everything, and he moves only when he needs to. But, wow. a lot of, but a lot of managers, they are not hippopotamus, they are like headless chickens <laughs> running around trying to micromanage people. And then they wonder why they resign. And then <laughs> you like that, huh? And, and the last, another, another mistake, you see, is they don't have, you know, they don't have clear policies. You know, you know, if you are looking for people to work remotely or hybrid, you need SOPs because if you don't have clear policies and standard operating procedures, this will avoid, this will create confusion, you know, and disengagements. You know, leaders need to make sure that policies are in place and well-documented and ready, available to employees, you know, because if you want to build high, you know, strong hybrid teams, you know, you need to create proper, clear policies about how company works and what's expected in certain situations. What should you do, you know, because if you don't, employees who don't know what to do, which can lead to confusion that can negative impact the entire organization. So if you have remote employees, if you have remote workers, put clear policies, outlines where, how, and when employees should work in a remote and in-person schedule. Absolutely. And the one thing that I wanted to say about standard operating procedures, so those SOPs as well as BCPs, business continuity um, plan, whenever things change and you find a way that works effectively and efficiently, your manager should be open to 360 feedback because they're not the one that's performing the work you are. And if there's a way where you could do it faster and get things done, where you could take that time and free it up and allocate it to something else, they should be open to that because all it's all about, you know, give and take. And it's about how can we work smarter, not harder, while still maintaining those profits and meeting our KPIs, our key performance indicators. That's one thing that you need to factor in. And I feel like sometimes managers cut down the conversation because they think there's one way of doing doing it, but there are multiple ways that you could get the same end results and we need to be open to that. Yeah, yeah. Well said. I mean, you know, it's, the face of leadership is changing. You know, Genesis is changing. And if, you know, if you were to, you know, there are many definitions of leadership. If you, you know, as the thousands of books written on the book, you know, because of the thousands of books that they were written on the topic. And, you know, if I was to ask you what is leadership, you know, if I ask 10 people what is leadership, they will all give me a different answer. You know, leadership is coaching, you know, different things, coaching, guiding, um, cheerleading, counseling, you know, correcting, protecting, explaining, setting direction, sharing vision, you know, resolving conflict, giving feedback. It, it's so many things. It's, it's situational. But if you were to ask me, if I was to give you a quick, I don't know, definition of leadership, I would say that is the ability to bring like-minded people together to get remarkable things done. Mm-hmm. And I say ability because I do believe that leadership can be learned. It's like a muscle. Every now and then you need to train your leadership skills. So this is why I say ability to bring like-minded people together. I don't mean physically together. I mean to engage them, to motivate them, 
to get remarkable things done, which means leadership is execution. If as a leader, you cannot build something, you're no one. Absolutely. And then, uh, Evan, just to recap, let's just recap those uh, top five mistakes, and then we're going to jump into the call to action. So I am respectful of your time commitment today. So, So, yeah. So what are the top five mistakes, um, just to recap, and this is a summary for you audience, because I know we talked about it fast and we also had some interjections, but we are giving this information. So it's educational for yourself, whether you are at IC, individual contributor, or whether you are in the C-suite that's listening to this and you want to enhance your capabilities, that way you're able to retain the talent that you have. Okay, so what I see from my coaching experience the last two years, the mistake number one that managers do, they don't trust their own employees. They don't trust their own people. Number two, they don't have clear policy. Number three, they don't have set working hours, especially when it comes to hybrid and remote. You know, if remote doesn't mean you should text me at midnight. Number four, Another thing that I see I do, they don't have enough online water cooler conversation. conversations. They don't have casual chit-chats. Maybe bi-weekly, it's all about work, work, work. And, you know, people don't feel connected, you know. So have this every, every two weeks, you know, have a casual conversation with your team. And another thing I do, again, micromanagement. So what can managers do instead? I think you should reinforce the organization's vision. Again, it doesn't matter if you're running a big business or a small business. Please remind your people of the compelling vision and the values of your company. Maybe you have a small coffee shop with five employees. Tell them why you exist and why you do what you do. You know, to serve the community, to serve the best coffee. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be huge. It can be as small as, you know, to be the best coffee shop in the neighborhood. But at least you have a vision. You have a why. Another thing you can do, please communicate with transparency. So your messages to your people should be uplifting. But also please acknowledge the challenges and and the stressors that our workers are facing. Another thing you can do is to set a clear direction of what is ahead. You don't want your people to be confused. You know, so I know it's, you know, for some industries and some companies, you cannot really know how things will turn up five years down the line. But for as far as you can say, you know, three months, six months, one year, please set a clear direction of what's ahead. And especially with many teams, you know, Genesis right now working hybrid and, you know, conditions are changing all the time, right? You also did it. COVID is still here right now. It's summertime everywhere except, you know, Australia and you know that, but everything is open. Maybe coming autumn will go back to some lockdowns, I don't know, but try to set a direction and guidance. It becomes more critical, even as work becomes more challenging to navigate. And another thing that you can do is, and I think you mentioned that, is to do feedback. Feedback, I think, is important. Communication, you know, you know, because if you work in a shared office or if you work in the same environment, it is easy to stop by a cubicle, you know, or gather as a team to provide feedback and ideas but this becomes more challenging when in a remote environment so try to give feedback and look feedback and empower individuals and teams and one of the things i do with my companies 
okay, with my teams, I do less big meetings and I do more one-on-ones. Something I didn't do before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, it was all, I mean, I'm used to hybrid because I, I, work, I manage different teams in different regions for five, six, seven years now. So this is not new to me. But before the pandemic, I used to do meetings where everybody is involved. But now I do more one-on-ones. How are you? How is your life? How is, what challenges are you facing? How is your dog? How is your wife? How is your family? How can I support you? So mm-hmm. really, wear different hats and you need to be adaptable. Amazing. And thank you so much, Evan, for sharing the, the recap for the five uh, mistakes. And now what is your call to action for the audience? And then plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. My call to action, you know, if you want to, you know, chat with, you know, to have a, to have a free, you know, I can offer, you know, I offer a, a, a free discovery call, a complimentary discovery call to the, you know, potential clients to, if you're watching this and, you know, you have some challenges with managing your people, scaling your company, you know, I am more than willing to have a discovery call, half an hour where we can, you know, talk together and you can tell me what your, fa- your, your, your challenges are and, you know, I can see if we can work together and if I can, you know, if I can support you and how I can do that, I can give you the link Genesis, my Calendly, where you can put it and people can simply book a convenient date and time and we can have a chat and see what is the challenge and how I can support you. Okay. I can do that. Let me find you the link. And I hang out a lot on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, yes. I Let me find you my Calendly. So I will have your LinkedIn in the show notes as well as your Calendly so they could go ahead and book that complimentary discovery call to see if it's a good fit for y'all to work together and if you can help them. And Evan, once again, I want to thank you so much for coming on the platform and sharing your knowledge within the community today. Audience, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see the video to this recording by going to our YouTube channel, which is at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the mission, which is to bring topics that are educational, inspirational, and motivational, while also weaving in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging and the amazing subject matter experts that come on to share their knowledge with you. Because of that, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com is where you'll find all the metrics. And that brings me to a big ask. I am looking for brand sponsors to continue to help with the mission. If that is you, head on over to genesisamarscamp.net to find more info or send me a personal email at genesisamarscamp at gmail.com. Until the next episode and next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E, 
S I S Amaris A M A R I S Kemp K E M P at Gmail dot com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems Podcast.